Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Cool. So there's two people on top to you, legend, and usually it's only Russell and no one else on top to you. Ah. Wait for everybody on the radio station, but it's only AJ. So well, let's try to watch it. My heart is Number 12 in the scripture book. Hmm. 
Still asleep. change earlier. 
I didn't test it. Only thing I did was just increase the quality of recording sound. That should not have changed, done nothing. Yeah, I mean, it should not have de deactivated the microphone. The only thing I can think is that, that like, somehow it was set my program didn't pick up on it. Okay, so anyway, the people in TalkShoe can still hear me. Because that uses my phone as the microphone. Uh, not too many people listen to TalkShoe because that has the worst sound quality. Most people listen on the online radio station that we have at isawthelightministries.com slash radio dot html. That usually has much better, more dependable audio quality, but my microphone that is on my laptop is messed up right now. So we're rebooting the computer, and then we'll test that microphone. And people also know, they know, that if I can't get my microphone working, if something happens to the online radio station, that talks you is a backup. They know that. They should know that. It's on the website. I've said it many times. So they could always go to TalkShoe if we don't get the laptop mic going. And the same for TalkShoe. If you always listen on TalkShoe and that is messed up one day and you're not getting audio on TalkShoe, you can also go over to the isawlightministries.com slash radio .html and listen there. So both of them use two different, entirely different microphones and different systems, different computers. So if one messes up, the others, the other one is always the backup option. So everybody, please remember that. We're waiting for the computer to finish reboot. In the meantime, we'll put on some worship music for those that can listen over on TalkShoot. Thank you. 
for the technical difficulty. We'll try to give uh, everybody else some time to reconnect as well. I know everybody's trying to figure out what is going on. Some people probably already gave up. So anyway, had trouble with the microphone. I, I only just simply told the microphone to give us better quality, and after I did that, it wasn't give us any quality. <laughs> Oh, ain't that the way it goes? That you you say I want better, and then they stop performing at all. I see that in people as well. But I got the microphone up and going now. Had to reboot the computer, and always remember for the people that was not able. Well, I'm going to talk about that part later because some people are still not connected. People are now reconnecting. Amen. People are still reconnecting. And I'll tell you what, let's do one more song, because people are still reconnecting. Okay? Let's see. What's the next page that we didn't yet cover? Five. Page five is next. All right. Let's do page five. Oh. 
against those that are trying to reconnect, they probably won't even try the rest of the two hours or they'll join right in the middle. Anyway, we'll go. We'll fly with it with those that are now present. People give up too easily. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these opportunities. Thank you, Father, for what we're about to receive spiritually. Pray, Lord, that you help us understand with your wisdom, with your ears, with your spirit, that we would understand. Father, we ask you, Lord, to break down the hindrances and allow us free access into the inner room, the Holy of Holies, behind the curtain, through the blood of Jesus. We ask, Father, that you would help those that give up so easily be more persistent and also to be more wise. We ask, Father, for more wisdom, for more discernment. We ask, Father, for your way and your spirit in this place, in this service, and in in us individually, and in this congregation and the church worldwide. More wisdom, more discernment for your people, Father. We ask this according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise Jesus. All right, let's start. In Hebrews, book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, is where that we will start. And the title, the title for today's sermon is, the deep things of God only by the Spirit of God. The deep things of God only by the Spirit of God. I preached that before. I have. There's another sermon in the archives about that. But we'll come, we'll come at this same point today in a different way. We'll approach it in a different way today in the context of current events what we're seeing today in our families, our friends, and the people that mock God, the people that mock the truth, what we're seeing right here and right now beyond our context. Amen. The deep things of God come only by the Spirit of God. Hebrews 5, verse 11. And what we're going to do, God willing, is read from that verse, verse 11, all the way down into chapter 6, verse 3. That's where we're going to read. Hebrews 5, 11 says, Concerning him 
Christ Jesus, King Mekhaziak, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Amen. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary or basic principles of the oracles or words of Theos. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Amen. And there's other verses too that we'll get to in a minute in chapter 3, as I said, I mean chapter 6. But first of all, let's digest, chew on this a little bit. Let's chew this meat. Amen. This is kind of milk and kind of meat both right here, these verses. But there are some that should be teachers by now. There are some that should be deacons or pastors by now. And that's what he is saying to this group in this verses. Amen. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews and whoever he is writing to, he's saying that that is the situation for those people. And that you have need again in verse 12, you have need again for someone to teach you the basic, the elementary, childish things, the things that that were taught already have to be taught again to these people that should now be elders in the church. Elders in the church that should be leading the young. That should be leading the young men and the young women should now be, should now be taught by the, those that have been in the ministry longer. Amen. And not only for how long somebody has been in the ministry, particularly this ministry, but also how long somebody has been following God, trying to follow God, trying to live right, studying the truth, trying to find the truth, seeking the truth, so forth. Some things are basic. Some things should be elementary. Some things should be more obvious. And for those that's just tuning in, we're in Hebrews 5 verse 12, and we're in all the way from verse 11 into the next chapter. Hebrews 5, verse 12 is where we're at right now this second. But some things, as we come into the knowledge of God, that, that there is a God, and that Jesus is that God, and that the Holy Bible is the holy book, and not the Quran, not Buddhism, not Hinduism, there are some things that are basic, amen. And one of the basic things, you can't get more basic than this, one of the basic things is that we serve one God. Amen? Compared to the pagans, 
compared to the ancient Greeks, even the ancient Muslims before they converted over to just one God. Many ancient cultures, and even some cultures today like Hinduism and even Buddhism, worships more than one God. But for Christianity, to believe in Christ as the Messiah, we must believe in one God, and that is fundamental, elementary, as basic as you can get. It's the difference between believing in Christ and believing in paganism of many gods. Amen. That's basic. Amen. And so that is why coming away from Babylon, coming away from the three-headed God is so important before baptism. That's why that cannot be compromised with. Amen. We must have that basic knowledge. And that should be one of the first things we come into the knowledge of, even in Babylon, even while we're just seeking God, what religion is right, what Bible is right, what is the truth, you know, these things that we serve one God and not three and not three million is as basic as you can get. Amen. And chapter 6, verse 1, Hebrews 6, verse 1, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, that he is God and that he is the one God and that he died for our sins, those are basic. Leaving that, going past that, going beyond that, let us press on, let us press forward to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward theos. In other words, we don't have to keep harping over and over. We don't have to keep repeating over and over what you hear on every Sunday morning sermon in Babylon. Nothing but you have to get saved. Nothing but uh, you could die tonight and go to hell. You got to get saved. Jesus is God. Devote your life to him. Say that prayer of salvation. That is about as far as deep as many Babylonian churches go. But that is so basic, and that is milk. That is for babies. That is for infants, as it says in verse 13. Amen. It says, let us go on past these basic things that Basically, and it lists some, but the first thing it lists is the teaching about Christ. First thing is knowing that there is a God and that it's Jesus. Amen. The Christ, not the Christ says. Amen. The Christ can also be translated as the Messiah. The Messiah, not the Messiahs, as Pearl. Messiah. Not the Messiahs, more than one. It's correctly should be called Messiahs, but I'm saying it's not Messiahs, not more than one Messiah. So there's only one Christ, there's only one Messiah. 
So let us press past that. The Trinity doctrine should be one of the first things and one of the most easiest things for people to get out of their system. Because the Trinity doctrine, let's face it, is a ridiculous doctrine. Saying that the Father is one distinct, separate being. And then the Son, Jesus, is an entirely separate, distinct being. And then the Holy Spirit is a separate, distinct being. And if you believe that, then we have three different gods because there are three different beings according to the Trinity doctrine. And yet they say they don't serve three gods, that they're still only serving one, and they are lying through their teeth, because how can you say that God is three different beings that are separate and distinct from one another and yet only have one God? They're hypocrites when they say, and they're liars when they say that they're serving only one God. They just don't want to confess their sins. Amen. This is basic. We either have one God or we don't. Amen. Now, the Son is a separate manifestation, a part of God, because all of God could not come to earth through Mary. Most of God, the majority of God, had to stay in the heavenlies in the spiritual realm, existing throughout all of the universe. Only a seed of himself, only a son of himself, could come into the bloodline through marriage. But that is not a separate being. He did not send a separate being. He sent himself. The Bible says he sent himself. The Bible says that he came to dwell, that God came to dwell in the flesh to bring people to himself, not to another. Amen. Even with the Holy Ghost. It says in John 14, when Jesus is talking about sending the Holy Ghost, sending that part of himself, he says, I will come to you. I will not leave you orphans. Not he. Amen. It's very clear, very simple, very basic, very elementary. But we should be able to go past these things quickly and easily into heavier meat. Because even a child can understand that we serve one, God. Amen. So let us press on, it says in chapter 6, verse 1, Hebrews 6, verse 1. Let us press on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith or theos. In other words, there's more to living for God than just repenting of your dead works, repenting of your pride and your vanity and worldly things and false doctrines. Let's move on to greater things. And other examples of basic things that we should move away from is Not that we should not do them, not that we shouldn't mention them, but let's grow beyond these basic things. Verse 2, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and permanent judgment. In other words, what happens when you live and die 
whether there is an eternal hell or not, whether there is a resurrection or not, what happens to your soul. These are basic things. Amen. These are basic elementary things. And it's also basic and elementary that we should wash one another's feet, that we should, and that we should lay hands on at a person at baptism, at the baptism, if done in person. And we should anoint with oil and lay on hands. And we should pray over people laying on hands. Yes. And we should be baptized, which is a form of washing. But that the ritual washing is done away with. That you don't have to constantly wash your hands every time you sin and wash your whole body, take a bath every time you sin. That that's done away with. That teaching is basic as well. These are basic teachings. You have one washing of baptism and laying on of hands at baptism and laying on of hands throughout your life for healing and anointing and so forth. These are basic teachings. But let us press past all this. Verse 3, let us press past this. If we will do, this we will, if Theos permits. In other words, if it be so God's will, let us press past to heavier, meatier things. And sometimes it is God's will that we continue to lay the foundation, help people to catch up, help new people that's just now coming into the truth to catch up on these basic things. Amen. But nevertheless, we may have to leave some people behind every now and then on some of these teachings, because we have to continue to move forward into the heavier meat of the Word of God. Amen. So, that was Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6. Now, concerning all this, the more that you want to know, and you should want to know more, you should be wanting to get into that meatier meat of the Word of God the more you want to know, the deeper you want to go into the Word. It's like cake <laughs> or chocolate or potato chips. It's, you can't have just one bite. The Word of God is so true, and the Word of God is so delicious. The Word of God is so yummy, exciting, and different from what the world teaches, which makes it even more exciting. Amen. After you have been eating crap your whole life, now that you've found the really good food, you want more of it, and you want to go deeper. But you do have to start with basic elementary things, such as the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are very, very basic, and that includes the first commandment that there's only one God, and to serve only that one God, and to honor him and not make any idols to not make any graven images to idolize, and to not make anything, anyone, any person, anything on this earth your God, but that he comes first, that he is your top priority, that he must come before family, friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, money, houses, careers, cars, football. He has, Yeah, football. He has to come before anything. Amen. First commandment and second. Amen. 
and throughout the commandments, including keeping the seventh day. The seventh, not the first, not the second, not pick and choose, but that specific day that he created by resting on the seventh day way, way before Moses was even born. Amen. And not only the Ten Commandments, but also the Holy Days that are directly related to the Ten Commandments because the seventh day was the foundation of all the other Holy Days. Amen. And the Sabbath is, the seventh day rather, is the chief of all the Holy Days. It is the weekly Holy Day. We have a Holy Day every week. So these groups, like the Seventh-day Adventists, some other groups that claim to keep the seventh day of the week, but yet they don't keep the holy days, that's nonsense. It's not wisdom. It's lacking of discernment. It's lacking of understanding of the Bible. How can you say that we have a holy day every week, but we don't have the high holy days to commemorate his death? That's pretty silly when you think about it the doctrines of this world. But the reason why the Seventh-day Adventists and many other groups of Babylon do not understand the Bible is because they lack the key to unlock scriptures, to open up the understanding. They lack the key, and that key is the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some things can be understood even by children without, without the Holy Ghost. They're so basic. But for the deeper things, the heavier things, and the, the things that some people call confusing or whatever, some of these things, many things, require the help of the power of the Holy Ghost. And they don't have the Holy Ghost in those groups of Babylon, Seventh-day Adventists, and so forth. Let's go over to Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians 1. If they had the Holy Ghost in the seven-day Adventist cult, then they wouldn't be following, idolizing, and worshiping Ellen White. Amen. Because the Holy Ghost would be sounding out a red alert to those people saying, don't, do not idolize her writings. Do not idolize that false prophet, that woman Jezebel that teaches men and leads men by the millions. Holy Ghost would be sounding alarms if they had the Holy Ghost in that. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. And we're going to, God willing, read from here all the way down to the third chapter, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, all the way down to chapter 3, verse 3, God willing. But let's start in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross, or the message of the cross that Jesus died for us, is foolishness to those who are perishing, to the lost, to the wicked. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of theos. It's death and resurrection. Amen. But to the world, to the foolish people who are perishing, they think 
that talking about Jesus dying for our sins, they think that's crazy. They call us deceived, gullible, crazy, insane, just because we do believe in the Messiah. That was promised. That was foretold by many different prophets of God through different centuries, and every one of them wrote it down that the Messiah was coming, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. All these different prophecies that were fulfilled, that did happen exactly the way that they said it would happen, even that they would tear his clothes off and... and, and uh, uh, by, how they do with the money for his clothes, huh? Cast lots. Cast lots. Who, who would get his clothes by throwing dice or whatever? Even that and all kinds of other things. Even his last words on the cross. Amen. All of these were fulfilled. And yet they call us crazy for believing what is documented by many different prophets and apostles throughout time. Amen. Who is the foolish ones? Amen. Who are the foolish ones? They're foolish, it says. But to us, we're being saved by this power. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. In other words, he's going to prove a lot, a lot of scientists, wrong. He's going to prove, God will prove the atheists as fools. Amen. It's coming. God's word will be validated. This ministry will be validated. And you, who have accepted God's words, will be validated. Amen. God will destroy that false wisdom of the wise. Verse 20, who is the wise man? Who is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not Theos made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of Theos, the world through his wisdom did not come to know Theos, Theos was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So the world calls the gospel foolishness. Really. But the truth is we are the wise for believing the word of God. Amen. Verse 22, for indeed Jews act for a sign and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of Theos, and the wisdom of Theos. Yes, Christ crucified, that Christ died for our sins, is the power of God. Through the blood of Christ, power in the blood, power in the blood, power in the blood. And that is the wisdom of Theos, that he was so wise to know the only way that mankind could be 
say amen. Because the foolishness, verse 25, because the foolishness of Theos is wiser than men. And the weakness of Theos is stronger than men. Now, of course, God does not have any foolishness. And God does not have any weakness. But what it's saying is, his little finger, to use another analogy, his little finger has more power and more strength than all the nuclear weapons on the entire earth. God's wisdom outmatches all the wisdom, so-called, of mankind. Amen. And that is what it's trying to say. In verse 26, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but Theos has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Amen. And Theos has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Amen. God could have chosen somebody other than myself to be your pastor. He could have chosen somebody more well-educated with a Ph.D., with a whole lot more money and better speech and, and, and without the southern dialect and better pronunciation and better spelling and all kinds of things that God could have been looking for in a different dude. But he chose this guy. Amen. He chose the foolish and the weak of the world. Because that displays his power of righteousness. That displays his wisdom. He is the God that chooses the weak, the underdog. Amen. He doesn't choose the mighty of the world, the doctors and the scientists and the PhDs and the most well-spoken. But rather, he chooses those that are willing to follow him. But the so-called wise of the world, they do not choose to follow him even when he calls them because their money, their mind is on the money. The mind is on the physical science that denies God. Their mind is set in foolishness. They are enveloped and encapsulated and imprisoned to their own knowledge and their own wisdom, which is of naught. It is useless. It is vanity. It is vain. It will all disappear. All their knowledge, all their baloney wisdom will all disappear. Amen. In a big bang. <laughs> all of their foolishness will disappear in a big bang in the lake of fire. Amen. God is good. Verse 28, but the base, the humble, the small things of the world and the despise of Theos of, uh, and the despised. Theos has chosen. Amen. God chose the black sheep of the family. They abandoned the underdog, the poor, those that have been stumped into the ground. Those are the ones that God will exalt. Amen. We did a sermon on that sometime back, that God will bring down 
the high and mighty and the proudful and the rich and the powerful. God will bring down all those people, the Babylonian leaders, the TV evangelists, the rich and the elite. God will bring all those down, and he will exalt the lowly. He will exalt those that have been persecuted and mocked and laughed at and called insane for God's word and God's glory. Amen. So remember that, brethren. Although they laugh and mock right now, they shall soon be brought to shame. They shall soon be brought down to their knees, crying out in agony, starving to death the sores upon their body. They will soon face the Russian and Chinese soldiers eye to eye, realizing the shame that they despised the word of God when they heard it. They cast it under their feet and treated it as trash and threw it away. They disrespected their wives and husbands and children and brothers and sisters that shared the golden word of God with them. They will be brought down to their knees. God's truth, God's prophecies, God's revelations will be exalted. And those that have embraced God's words will be exalted. Amen. says in verse 28, the base things of the world and the despised, Theos has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. He is going to cancel out the things of the world, many of the wicked things and wicked people of the world. 29, so that no man may boast before Theos. Amen. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from Theos, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, that God did it, that God did it. It's not that we did it. It's not that we brought enough supplies. It's not that we are self-sufficient. It's not that we are smart or that we are intelligent, but that God did it. It's not because we speak well enough or write well enough or that we're smart enough, but rather that God revealed it, that God did it. Amen. It's not that I went to school so many years and graduated and got a Ph.D. and another degree and another degree and got some kind of letters of commendation from some uh, seminary. No. I rejected those things. I turned down those things and didn't want those things and did not crave those things. Amen. God was good to me to allow me to be born poor, raised poor, to suffer poverty, and to not have a desire for the riches of the world, not have a desire for many of the carnal luxuries of the world. I was happy. I was satisfied all of my life with the basic necessities. Amen. And I'm 
well pleased in the Lord's choice of what he did with me is not that I did it myself, but the Lord's choice of where he put me, how he put me, how he trained me, how he raised me. Amen. Chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2. Paul says to the church in the town of Corinth, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of Theos. Paul confesses, Paul says that when he first started coming out to the church as a man of God after he had first got saved and started preaching and he made his first visit to the Corinthians before he wrote this letter, that he did not come as a smart man. He didn't come as a man that could speak perfect and fancy long words and with great wisdom of men. No. Verse 2, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ, meaning Jesus as God. That's what that means. Jesus as the Messiah, the promised one, the one that would come to save us. And the Bible says there's only one that can save us, and that is God. To say Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah, is the same as saying Jesus God. Because a Messiah cannot be a Messiah without salvation. And no one can say but God. Amen. But I came, Paul said, determined to know nothing except for Jesus as God, Jesus Christ and him crucified, dying for your sins. But I determined to know these things. And in verse 3, and I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. In other words, the apostle, the almighty apostle Paul that wrote most of the New Testament, when he first started preaching, was not perfect. Was not perfect. Hello? Paul is not Jesus Christ. Amen. I said Almighty Paul because many, many, many people in Babylon make him out to be so perfect in every degree, as if he had no sin. And yet Romans 7 reveals very much that he struggled with sin. Amen. As all prophets do, actually. Because they're all humans. Amen. But when he first started out, he was weak and fearful. And that's understandable. He had a reputation for hating the Christians. He had a reputation for ordering the murder of Christians. Of course he was anxious about how he would be received in the church. Of course he was nervous when he got up in front of them, knowing that they could stone him, claiming that meats are clean, saying you don't have to get your penis cut to be saved, and all these things, even though these people all their lives had been taught the old way and the old covenant, blood of goats and blood of sheep and blood of foreskin. And he came to say, you don't have to do all that because Christ bled for us. He could have been stoned in addition to the reputation that he, that he came and brought with him already that he was the enemy of the Christians. 
He had all the reason to be fearful. Amen. Now, he could have been bolder. He could have been braver. He could have trusted in the Lord more without any fear. That would have been unnatural. But he could have done that with the power of God, with the help of the Holy Ghost. He could have done that. He was not a perfect apostle from the start. He made mistakes. He even talked in different words that Christ would be back, would return in his lifetime. So did Peter. They said it was at the door, and it wasn't. Even the Old Testament prophets preached in different words that the Christ would come in their lifetime, and he didn't. Amen. So it takes time. But even the true chosen men of God, both you and I, the women and the men of God, the chosen ones, it takes time to reach perfection. Paul said that he had not attained it. He said so himself, that he had not yet obtained it. It's a lifetime. But to get there, we have to press out away from the milk and not be so dependent upon the milk and be more dependent upon the meat. The milk is good at start, but we must grow and we must mature and we must go deeper and deeper and deeper into the wonderful realm of the spiritual realm of God and the deep knowledge, but not through man's techniques not through man's knowledge and his wisdom, not through his textbooks that they treat as scripture. Amen. The atheists say there is no holy scripture because there's no God, but they treat the writings of their heroes, their prophets, as scripture. Amen. Name atheists or two that did some books or some writings or some quotes or some words somebody they quote all that with. Stephen Hawkins. Stephen Hawkins. And Neil deGrasse Tyson. And others, I can't say that. <laughs> Stephen Hawkins, perfect example of an atheist that, they, that the atheist treat as a prophet and his writings and his words are as the words of God. They serve a God. Amen. The atheist, every, every atheist, and every person on this earth serves a God or gods, whether they confess it or not. But they can't confess it because they're so stupid. And let's just speak the truth. Foolish. Foolishness and stupidity is the same thing, just synonyms. Two words that mean the same. Sometimes you, you, you have to use the tougher words to get past the brick wall. Amen. Sometimes you need a little bit stronger ammunition to break down the stiffness of their hard heart. Amen. God is good. Amen. And in verse 4, Paul says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, 
but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Amen. He may have been trembling and a little bit fearful and not perfect. And he didn't use the best persuasive words, but he demonstrated the power of God through the the laying on of hands. Amen. He demonstrated the power of God by singing at the midnight hour and God sent the earthquake to free him from prison. He healed the sick. He revealed the mysteries of God. People were saved under his administration. Amen. He showed God. He revealed God. He manifested God in his life and in his ministry. Amen. Verse 5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of Theos. Amen. Mark 16 says that these signs shall follow those that believe. Amen. The picking up of serpents and the casting out of demons and the other miracles, that signs would follow those. Amen. It was through the power of God that people knew to follow Jesus. Amen. It was through the power of God that people followed Paul. Amen. Verse 5, and then verse 6. Verse 6, yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak Theo's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom, which Theo's pre-surveyed, which other Bibles say predesignated, but better understood as being pre-surveyed before the ages to our glory. Amen. So Paul says he speaks the mystery of God. The deep things are the mysteries. Amen. We speak his mystery, his wisdom in the mystery, the hidden wisdom, which he pre-surveyed, pre-planned, pre-laid out, pre-thought before the ages to our glory. Amen. The wisdom, verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age have understood, meaning the kings did not understand it, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the religious experts, the religious scholars, the scribes, they could not understand the word of God because the word of God is spiritual. And they cannot understand spiritual things without the spirit of God, the author, the translator, the one that wrote it, amen, the ones that, the, the, the God that put those words into the hands and minds and hearts of his servants to write down, amen. But these smart people, the rulers, the college elites, the Freemasons, the Pharisees, they did not understand. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. But just as it is written, quote, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of mankind, all that Theos has prepared for those who love him. Unquote. 
many, many Babylonian websites, videos, and teachers and preachers of Babylon, they use verse 9 all the time to say, you cannot understand the mysteries of God. That there are some things you just can't know. You can't know who the Antichrist is. You can't know when Jesus is coming back. You don't know when the tribulation will start. All these things. You can't know. You can't know. You can't know. Because verse 9 is not entered into our minds and hearts. And yet they leave out verse 10. And they leave out verse 8 and 7 and 6. They leave out all this chapter and take one verse theology out of context to twist and distort the word of God and to lead you to think that God's bride does not know the mind of her husband. The blind leading the blind. Amen. So let's read verse 10 that they do not read. Verse 10 says, but, but, but to us, Theos, revealed them. He told us. He, he wants us to know the deep things and the mystery and the hidden things through him. He revealed. He teaches them. Amen. Now the Freemasons believe in a secret knowledge that are written in books that are only in their hidden libraries that nobody can access except for only the members of the Freemasons. And even then, probably only certain Freemasons. I know this for a fact, that that is the way they operate. That the Freemasons and also the Catholic Church, which is Freemasons, and even the Mormons and other groups have books of so-called knowledge that they consider scripture that they won't allow the world to see and that they think that the rest of the world is not worthy to see and would not be able to understand and, and they don't want to even give them a chance to learn. It's reserved for only the so-called elite. That is their theology. That is what they teach. That is what they proclaim. A hidden knowledge that only a certain small, very, 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 very small people can be allowed to even see or know it exists. So the Vatican and the Freemasons have tons and tons of books that they hide from us and so-called knowledge that they hide from us. And Okay, I don't want to see their books, amen. And I don't want the so-called knowledge that they've got because I have the author of true knowledge, amen. With or without a book, with or without a library or knowledge or a PhD, I have access to the throne of God, the ultimate teacher, amen. And therefore, because I know the creator himself and the ultimate teacher above all, then I have access to all knowledge and can know all things, even as Paul said. Amen. And Theos has revealed them. How? Through his spirit. Verse 10. For the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of Theos. 
Woo! Baby, praise the Lord. We don't have to just only know the cover of the book, but we can get into the deepest pages and actually truly understand it. Yes, we can understand the book of Revelation. We can with the help of the Holy Ghost and with a sincere heart to want to understand and the willingness to read it. Amen. And to study it and to seek and to pray and to fast. Through the Spirit of God, we can know even the deep things. Amen. But the key is through the Spirit. The deep things of God, only by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the key, not Stephen Hawkins, not a science book, not scientific studies, and not the fools that call themselves wise, but the Spirit of God that created all this. Verse 11, for who among men knows the things of a man except for the spirit of man? In other words, carnal men understand carnal things. Even so, the things of Theos, no one knows except the spirit of Theos. We have to have the author of Scripture who dictated it to Paul and Moses to explain it to us, to teach it to us. God teaches us, every one of us. Verse 12, now we have received. Praise the Lord. I tell you, when I said that word, now we have received, I felt like that I could jump on the moon at that moment when I said that. Praise the Lord. I wonder how many people jumped out of your seats when I said that. Now we have received. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We have received. Woo. Praise God. Now we have received. Not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from Theos, so that we may know the things freely given to us by Theos. Amen. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, amen, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a, a natural man, a carnal man, a physical man, does not accept the things of the spirit of Theos. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. They are spiritually weighed. They are spiritually examined. Amen. When you have a crystal, a rock, like a quartz or a diamond or zubic zirconian or, or other things. There's ways that you can test those, and that's what appraisal is, to test and examine how worthy it is. What is it made of? Is it real? Is it fake? Is it valuable or not valuable? To determine that is to appraise something. And the word of God is spiritually appraised. The spirit is the tester. Amen. The spirit gives you the discernment. The spirit wakes up your mortal soul, quickens your mortal soul. Amen. 
But many people think they have the Spirit of God, and they don't. And they say that they discern that what we teach is baloney and evil and demonic and deception. And they say they discern, they discern, they discern, and God said so. And the only spirit that they are truly dealing with is the evil spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but those that falsely discern that what they hear today is nothing but darkness and deception. The only spirit they have is the dark spirit, the evil spirit that deceives and holds them down in bondage, that hates the word of God. Amen. And the test will find them as gullible, foolish. They will be found deceived. Those that follow the truth will be validated and exalted, whereas the mockers and deceivers and the deceived will be cast down. Amen. And their tribulation shall be much worse than our tribulation. Amen. Verse 15. But he who is spiritual, meaning in the spirit of God, appraises all things, tests all things, proves all things spiritually, yet he himself is appraised by no one. You know why it says that? That is because if you have the Holy Ghost, you belong to God, and God is your judge. Amen. And the world cannot judge you because you do not belong to the world. Amen. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord, the thoughts, the thinking, and the truth? Who has known the mind of the Lord? that he would instruct him. Who would instruct God? Who would command God? No one would instruct or command God. But we have the mind of Christ. If we have the Holy Ghost, the soul of him that died for our sins but yet rose from the dead, we have his soul, we have his mind. And therefore we can know the thoughts of God. We can feel his emotions. We can feel his anger, his sadness, his joy, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, and hear his words, his voice, his whispers in our inner heart. We can be led and directed by the good shepherd, the good father, the way and the truth and the life. Amen. We can have the mind of Christ through baptism, washing away our sins being crucified with Christ through baptism, being resurrected with Christ, becoming a new man, a new creation, a spiritual creation. Jesus said that if you have the Spirit of God, you are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If you are truly born again, then you are not the same you used to be. It changes your life, the way you think about things, the way you look at things. And you're finally given true discernment. It will be a struggle in this dark world of them coming against you, of course, because the darkness hates the light. Amen. 
The darkness will fight against light. We know that. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the power of God in us. Amen. Chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. For you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. So he's going back to what he said a while ago. That some of the people should now be teachers. But instead, some people are still sucking on the milk like babies and not yet chewing on the deep things of God, not ready to move forward yet. And therefore, even the pastor, even the apostle, even the prophet has to sometimes weaken his voice, treat the people like babies, go too slow, repeat sermons that should never need to be repeated, Go backwards in teaching. Slow down for those that are still babes in Christ. And that's okay for newcomers. But if a congregation is full of those that have been with the Lord for an extended period of time, then that should not be done should not need to be done, rather. There are things that really should be said, really should be taught, really should be written, and yet I have to wonder who is able to receive this at this time? And should this yet be released? Should this yet be taught? Should this yet be said? Because an infant can choke and die on some of the bigger and deeper things of God. Amen. Therefore, it should be Everybody's desire to move forward, to learn what is basic, to learn what is elementary, to catch up, and then to move forward. To not stay stuck in Babylon. To not keep one foot in the door of Babylon. To not continue to go to the Babylonian churches, the Sunday churches, the Trinity churches. To stop watching their videos. To stop reading their websites. And let's accept what is true and throw away what is false. 1 Thessalonians 5 says to prove all things and to abstain from evil and to hold on to what is good. We have to test and appraise what books, what videos, what websites, what teachers, what preachers, 
that is worthy of our attention, that has the truth, and which ones are junk, and throw those in the trash and not look back. Amen. And once you come out of Babylon, don't go back to Babylon. Amen. Remember, remember Lot's wife. Amen. Let us move only forward and not two steps forward and one step back. Let us move only, only forward from this day. Forward. Let us march victorious in the truth out of Babylon, leaving Babylon behind because Babylon is soon to be destroyed. Let us not still be in her when she is destroyed. Let us not be partaking of her sins. Let us not be drinking of her genetically modified milk. Amen. Who is the source of truth? God is. Amen. Verse 3. For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? We should be walking as spirits, not in the flesh. We're not in the flesh if we're born again. And if we're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, then let us not be immature about nudity and alcohol and pornography and other elements of God's truth and basic understanding. Even a child throws away his shoes and his clothes. Even a child is more mature that most adults that think that our temple is nasty and disgusting. Amen. In these days, prior to the Great Tribulation, which is right at the door, physical survival is very important and is at the forefront of many people's minds, of course. Physical survival is very important, but salvation, spiritual survival, is the most important and must take top priority. Our first priority, even above physical survival, must be salvation, spiritual salvation, not the physical prepping for the top priority. Physical prepping should be underneath that. Physical prepping, I mean spiritual prepping, it comes first. Spiritual prepping for the days ahead. Spiritual survival, spiritual growth, salvation, being born again, being baptized should be a great priority right now. Huge priority. Amen. People should 
be knocking at the door, ringing the hook off of my phone, asking for baptism. Amen. Here we are, probably only two or three days before the strong delusion, as far as we know right now. I'm so sure I do not understand why certain people are not pressing for spiritual survival because they're afraid of mommy and daddy, because they're not yet ready to leave their parents' house, because they're not yet ready to speak up against the Catholic Church. In the day and the time that we know that Pope Francis is literally Satan, and yet they're too scared or too immature, too childish, too much of a boy instead of a man to say, Mom, Dad, I don't care if you whip me. I don't care if you take the TV away. I don't care if you kick me out of the house, but I am not going to the school that worships and idolizes Satan. And I don't care whether you disown me or what. But no, they cannot say those things because they're too scared to say those things. And everybody, many, many, many people are held in bondage to Babylon, to fear, to carnality, to weakness, to immaturity, to jobs, to houses, to money, to land, to things which all will be burnt soon. When the Russians and the Chinese invade the nations, will you then look back and say, I could have reached out for Jesus Christ's hand. I could have reached out for the hand of Jesus for spiritual survival, but I didn't because I wasn't ready. I was still an infant. I was still weak. I was still a wimp. Will you say those things? Will you regret not getting saved before the invasions? Are you not yet sure of this being a ministry of truth? Are you not yet sure whether we are a demonic cult or a cult of light? Are you not yet sure if we're the true servants of Jesus, we have the true doctrines and true prophecies, or rather we are part of Babylon? And how can you be so unsure? How can you be tossy-turvy and double-minded? How can you listen week after week and follow the ministry and receive the newsletter and still not know? Are you tossed back and forth like a double-minded man? Unstable in his ways? Do you not know light from darkness? Amen. How can you still be unsure of these things at this point? Even people that may be tuning in for the very first time today, I believe that even with or without the Holy Ghost inside of them, that the power of the Holy Ghost that exists throughout all the universe would give that person who has tuned in today for the very first time that the Holy Ghost 
would give that person enough discernment, enough common sense, enough intelligence, enough true wisdom to know whether they are listening to lies or to truth. Amen. Too many people stay stuck in the hurts of the past, of how pastors or churches or people or congregations hurt them. I understand that these churches of Babylon, which are churches of Satan, the synagogue of Satan, have hurt you. They've hurt me too. I know what it's like to be hurt by Babylon over and over and over. But to stay stuck in that pain and mistrust and not moving forward into the light when you see the light, not moving forth into the truth and not being baptized and not being saved when you know what is true. Amen. People have got to let go of the past. People have got to let go of the bad experiences. If you see the truth, embrace the truth. Amen. Without Jesus, you cannot survive. Amen. You can have all the toilet paper saved up. I even ordered more last night. <laughs> you can have all the knives, all the guns, all the, uh, the MP3s and all the survival supplies and the fire starters and everything else and still not survive. You can make it into the blue zones. You can make it into a community of believers. You can make it into the exodus. You can cross into the promised land and still fall in the wilderness. Amen. Just as it was at the first exodus, so shall it be at the second exodus, that even after you see the waters split with your own eyes, you are still doubt. You still won't know whether you're in the truth or not. You still won't want to be baptized. You'll still doubt. You'll still mistrust. You'll still second guess. Amen. And many, many people will die in the wilderness because of lack of faith, lack of belief, lack of trust of God and his leadership. Amen. Has not God led you or has he not? Make up your mind. Amen. Now, in this day and in this time, there are many false prophets and many deceivers out there. And among those are the Freemasons and the Gnostics. As I said earlier, the Freemasons, and, and but also I will add to this now, the Gnostics, believe and focus on a secret knowledge. <clears throat> but much of that so-called knowledge that they embrace is written in those books written by men who are not true followers of Jesus, who are not truly inspired by the Holy Ghost. 
nor by the holy breath. The true knowledge. The true knowledge. The mysteries of God are obtained by the help of God. Now, primarily, we want that help of God and the true knowledge and the true understanding and the true wisdom to come directly from the presence of God in us. That is ideal. That is what we should all seek. Baptism, salvation, the presence of God, the Holy Ghost. And by that, we can learn and receive and things be revealed to us. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. He'll be our teacher. But it is also true that he teaches us through his holy prophets as well. So this first half of the sermon, we have focused on the Holy Ghost being the ultimate source, the ultimate shepherd, the ultimate teacher, the ultimate apostle. The Bible says that Jesus is our apostle and our teacher and that he teaches of all things. And all of that is true. Bingo. Amen. I could emoticon the bullseye on that right now. Amen. But God also speaks through his prophets, and it's still the Holy Ghost teaching us, even when he teaches us through his apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. The book of Ephesians and Corinthians both says that he sent us to the church so that we would be united in truth and in faith and grow together to maturity that he would send us the prophets, the apostles and then the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. That's still learning through the Holy Ghost. It is still the Holy Ghost speaking and leading and guiding and directing and revealing. But he uses the tutors. He's called me as a tutor to teach you his word. Amen. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paulos, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of Theo's grace, which I was given, which was given to me for you, that by revelation that was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, in which other generations was not made known to the same extent to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Amen. So Paul is teaching in these five verses that the church can learn from God through the apostles and prophets. And that would be true of pastors, evangelists, and deacons as well, as we also see in this same book of Ephesians, 
Amen. The mystery of God. That means the deeper things, things that the world cannot understand is a mystery is a mystery because the world cannot understand it and is hidden to the world. Even as Christ said, the reason that he spoke in parables and analogies was because for the people that were called and chosen to understand, because they could understand, because they could understand, because they had been baptized. They had been baptized. They had the Spirit of God in them. Amen. But the world would not be understand. He, he, he spoke in, in, in code in front of people. Right in front of people, he, he spoke in code. How cool Jesus is. He spoke in code right in front of people. And much of the Bible is written in code, and that's the true Bible code. Amen. It's not anything that can be figured out by computers. Amen. There's no such thing as a computer Bible code. Don't fall for all that foolishness. Very, 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 very popular. Many people believe in a Bible code that you program all the words of the Bible into a computer, and the computer reveals the mysteries. That's stupid. And if that offends you, then maybe you should fast and ask God to give you some common sense. I say it the way it is. Because it takes some tough ammunition to get through some of these tough brains. You want to understand the mysteries of God, get the Holy Ghost. And listen to his prophets, the teachers that he has called, that he has chosen. And he reveals the mysteries, he reveals the code through his chosen apostles and prophets. And Paul here says that he even discovered some things by God, that God taught him some things that even other generations before him did not know, did not understand. Now think about that. If that's true, for that generation, it would also be true for even this generation because the prophecies, even the book of Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah, not only the book of Revelation, but even those Old Testament prophets was written primarily not for them, but for us, primarily. Amen. Yes, for them too, but primarily for us, for our end-time generation. And they could not understand it at that time. They didn't have the key. They didn't have the Holy Ghost at that time, even though, of course, God's Spirit has always existed. But the blood of Christ did not always exist. The blood of Christ came into effect through the birth of Christ, through Mary. That blood of Christ on the cross, the crucifixion, the power of the cross, the power of the crucifixion and the resurrection brought forth the empowerment of salvation. Mankind could not understand. Not only could they not be saved through the blood of goats and circumcision, not only could a man's penis not save anybody, but the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ on the cross 
opened up the door to not only salvation, but knowledge through the Holy Ghost, the soul of him that died but rose again, through the blood. It's important to use that word Holy Ghost because it distinguishes the difference between before the cross and after the cross. Amen. But Paul understood certain things that the prophets of old did not understand because Paul preached after the cross, after the crucifixion, after the sacrifice for our sins, which split the curtain in two, literally, amen, to where we can now have access to the very throne of God. We now have access to the author, God himself, the word, the word of God the author of the word, the word of God, the spoken word, the living word. We have access to the living waters that is not only seated in heaven, but is inside us now if we are born again. And now we can be spiritually walking, spiritually speaking, spiritually thinking, have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes through that electricity, through that power, through that empowerment of God's eternal spirit and if it be true for Paul's time and Paul more than it was in the prophets before then how much more true it would be for the modern prophets and apostles and disciples and congregation of today now that the seals are peeled back even more now that more and more seals have already opened and are being opening and will be opened soon. How much more shall be revealed when the seals are opened? When we'll have eyes to see and ears to hear? When those things are revealed into the end time church, the end time generation, then what it makes sense that God would call apostles and prophets for our time. He did in the times of Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Mordecai and Esther and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Paul and John. Different generations scattered across millenniums that he called and ordained and spoke to his chosen servants, the prophets and apostles of old. The Bible says that he is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. He changes not. And if he has always worked through just specific people, then he would also work through specific people now. Amen. The fact that God is going to raise up the two witnesses in the city of Jerusalem soon is very clear, overwhelming, sufficient proof that there are still apostles and prophets today. Amen. And we don't even have to wait until the two witnesses, as many people are waiting. We don't have to wait for the appearance of the two witnesses because the same God that spoke to Moses and Noah and Elijah and Matthew, Luke, and John and Paul and will be speaking to the two witnesses speaks even now. He's still alive and changes not and still wants us to understand the deep things of God, even the mysteries of God. He still has his chosen servants. He still speaks to them. Yes, 
We need the Holy Ghost, and we want that and need that individual personal relationship, and every one of us to strive to and want to and seek the personal voice of God within us individually. But it is also equally true that there are certain things that he really speaks primarily only to his prophets. And then that is relayed down to the church. That is the way government is run. And God has a government. And in government, the the head leader will tell the next person underneath him who will tell the next person underneath him, which will then announce it to the public. And God does have a government with princes and with administration with organization, and that should not fear, cause us to fear, that should not cause us to fear. And I'm not saying that I'm a better person or more holy person. I'm really just an uneducated, redneck, regular dude with a southern dialect who can't even speak correct southern much less speak correct northern. People say, what are your credentials? I say, God. God is my credentials. I don't have to show a PhD or how many years I spent in college or this or that or papers or any such thing. My credentials is God's choice, God's decision that he called me. My credentials is the Holy Bible, that I preach it. I preach God, God's power, God's words, God's spirit, God's commandments, God's truth. That is my credentials. Amen. And each one of you must appraise that. Amen. And if Paul knew some things of the prophets of old did not, then so should. I be speaking forth and writing scripture, writing things and speaking things that was not even known even by Paul because many of the prophecies was not even written for Paul in his lifetime but for our lifetime. And you say, how can you say that you have the power to write scripture? Are you making yourself out to be a prophet or apostle? Duh! Have I not said for many years that God has chosen me as an apostle? So why would it be strange for me to write scripture? People say, but the Bible is already done, it's written, it's finished, nothing else should be added to it. And when you say that, then what you're saying is God has become complacent. If you, if you say that no more scripture should ever be written again, then you're saying God has become complacent because he had Moses to write new scripture. He had Paul to write new scripture. But for the end time generation, that he's just going to be complacent and not give the people new information, more information, more revelations that must be written for the masses, for the world, for newcomers, for people that shall come yet still yet to be? 
that they're not going to get the new revelations? Is God complacent? You say, but Pastor Tim, you sound like a cult leader. And yet, you say that the TV evangelist is not a cult leader who has millions and millions and millions of dollars and millions of followers and, and all that and teaching a three-headed God, and he's not a cult leader, but I am, just simply because I say that I write down what I hear from God, that I write down holy inspired words. What is scripture but the writings of holy inspired words, holy inspired revelations with the guidance and instruction of God? Everyone is being tested. You're being tested today. And everything I say must be weighed and appraised. And I understand that. And I give you the instruction to do so. Amen. Let's go to the book of Thessalonians. And we'll close in Thessalonians as far as I know right now. 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. And God willing, we're going to read verse 13 and 14. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. One Thessalonians 2, verse 13, Paul says to the, thir- to the church at the town of Thessalonia, For this reason, we also constantly thank Theos that when you received the word of Theos, which you heard from us, from me, from my, my group, Paul says, from us, you accepted it as the word, not as, not as the word of man, for, but for what it really is, the word of Theos, which also performs its work in you who believe. Amen. So Paul here says that his words, his teachings, was accepted by the people as not just his words, but for what it really is the word of God. Amen. Now, Paul was a humble man. He admitted that he had not obtained perfection, that he had not yet obtained perfection. He struggled with sin big time in Romans chapter 7. But he was called of God. And he knew that. And he claimed the title of Apostle over and over and over. And the people accepted that. 
people who appraised him, tested him, got saved under his ministry, and accepted his words as the words of God. Followed him as his disciples, his students. Not worshipped him, no. But respected him. Honored him. Followed his instructions. Followed his teachings. And because of that, grew only in the truth. There are many false apostles. Many false prophets. Even Paul said so. Even Paul warned the church about those other men that claimed to be prophets and apostles. Even he did warn of, and I do all the time. You know I do. Excuse me. All the time I warn about the false prophets. All the time. You have to appraise all things, prove all things, test it. Take time to fast. Take time to pray. Take time to study the Bible. See what is the truth. But you can't stay stuck in undecision forever. You've got to make a decision and move forward. Amen. And don't let bad experiences of the past prohibit you from moving forward. Amen. Verse 14. When these people accepted his words as the words of God, verse 14, for you, brethren, became imitators of the ecclesia, the called out ones, of theos, in Christ Jesus. The are in Judea, became imitators of the church in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. In other words, when you join the truth, when you join the true congregation of called out ones, the ecclesia, you will be persecuted, you will be hated, you will be mocked for the name of Jesus, for your belief in Jesus crucified and resurrected and in his word, his truth, his revelations, his scriptures, both old and new. You will be mocked, you'll be hated, you'll be persecuted, for so did they the same to Jesus and to the prophets before. If they persecuted them, they persecute us. We are not above our master Jesus. Amen. So we can expect much, much persecution. They will call us a cult. They will call us insane. They will call us every evil name. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, God will have the last word. And the lowly should be exalted, and the exalted should be brought down. Remember that. Remember that. Persevere. Press forward. Grow in the truth. Don't let anybody, anyone hinder you in the truth and in your spiritual growth of the truth. When you see the light, you know the light. Amen. I'm not here today to exalt myself, but to exalt Jesus Christ, glorified. And his word glorified. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Like for you, everybody, to tune in for special services Tuesday morning for the Holy Day of Perm. Perm starts tomorrow morning at sunrise, Sunday morning. And goes all day Sunday, 
and Monday all the way up until Tuesday sunrise. 48 hours is Purim. Over in Jerusalem, they are continuing to keep Purim uh, until Wednesday at sunset, their time. Wednesday at sunset, Jerusalem time will be Wednesday morning, Eastern time, 11.43 in the morning. We're going to be fasting starting tomorrow at sundown. The reason we're going to be fasting is we are expecting a huge possibility of a strong delusion to occur on Perm. Could be the 8th, the 9th, the 10th, the 11th, since Perm does stretch across the world in different time zones, and Jerusalem keeps it a day later, and the Jews keep it at a different timing. So it could come anywhere between the 8th through the 11th. I think the most likely possibility would be a very late Sunday night into sometime Monday. But we'll see. If it doesn't occur this year, then it will not occur any time this year until next term. Amen. Because we know 100% for sure from Scripture, from Scripture, that the strong delusion the abomination of desolation, the appearance of the Antichrist in the sky, and a fake coming of Jesus in a fake Armageddon will occur on the day of Perm. We know that. There's no shadow of doubt about that in time revelation revealed by Jesus. Amen. We believe it will be this year. And for example, we just read, I just shared in our MeWe social media group the other day that uh, according to a Russian website, the Syrians, the government military of Syria, might strike a missile against the U.S. NATO nuclear base in Turkey. If they do that, that will be very sufficient and more than sufficient to propel Assad to appear in the sky and manifest himself on the uh, throne of God in the temple of God in the holy place according to Matthew 24 and 2 Thessalonians 2, Ezekiel 28 and other places in the Bible. That's huge if Syria strikes the NATO base in uh, Turkey. To see that threat revealed just yesterday is huge. That's a huge threat. And also we see the coronavirus out of control. And I read today that, that the American administration, uh, uh, somebody in the United States has decided they're going to stop testing people and not even quarantine people. Decisions have been made to allow the American population to die. Amen. The Chinese government said 15 years ago that they was going to release a virus upon America to kill and wipe out the people just before they invade the land. People all over the United States for years have contacted me to tell me of their testimonies, of their visions and dreams of the Chinese and Russian invasion of America. All of their dreams were almost completely identical. It is not their insanity, no. They're not insane. They're not foolish. 
they have received a divine revelation from the Lord. Amen. Multiple people have also received the same dreams and revelations about the Hoover Dam to be attacked soon and the Grand Coulee Dam in the state of Washington and other dams probably across America. This will cause a great loss of electricity and drinking water for millions of Americans. These things will be fulfilled. The Russians are coming. The Chinese are coming. And the lights and electricity is about to go out. The dams will break. And the people will flee. Amen. Many people are still in blindness, not realizing what is about to occur. In addition to the coronavirus, we see also uh, Turkey and Syria fighting tooth and nail every day, even despite a so-called uh, agreement and ceasefire that really never went into effect because they are fighting tooth and nail in northern Syria. Even in southern Syria, Israel continues to strike uh, Iranian targets and Syrian targets repeatedly, almost on a daily basis. The situation in Syria, in Syria is extreme. Many people are in blindness to the extremities of these events. But everything is lined up so perfectly that if we get past this pattern without the strong delusion happening yet, it would truly only be by a miracle and by the mercy of God. At that time, many people will again say that I'm a false prophet if it does not occur on Purim of this year. And they will uh, not say uh, any of the things that I said about if it doesn't happen this year. They won't point that out. They will only point out that I did say, and I did, that I believe, and I do believe strongly and firmly it will be this year because all the signs point to it. But I tell you this much, if it doesn't happen, not only will it be only by the mercy and miracle of God that we would have another year to prepare, but it would also be another amazing and powerful foreshadowing would still occur. At the very least, there would still be something huge to reveal and to confirm again and again and again that Perm will be the ultimate date of the fulfillment of the strong delusion. But we must be prepared for the extremely strong and powerful possibility and most likely possibility that it will be this year, March 8th through 11th. Once it does occur, people will have to make some quick decisions. Does your family believe that was really God appearing in the sky? And therefore, we are going to be fasting starting at sundown tomorrow, Sunday, Perm, that our families and our friends will not worship Assad 
when he appears in the sky, and that they will not follow and worship Assad thereafter either. After he appears in the sky, we will have to immediately uh, counsel with our families and friends and explain to them and show them the proof that this ministry under Jesus Christ has for years said that Assad will appear in the sky in the fake coming of Jesus on the day of Paran. And therefore, that is solid proof, solid proof that what they saw in the sky is not God and is not the return of Jesus Christ, but is the Antichrist, the son of perdition, a fallen angel, a demon, and that you should not worship him. And after we counsel with them, then we can complete our fast, regardless of what day and time it is. And if it doesn't happen on the 8th, we'll keep fasting. If it doesn't happen on the 9th, we will keep fasting. If it doesn't happen on the 10th, we will keep fasting. And we are fast until Wednesday at 11.43 a.m. Eastern Time, which will be the time of sunset in Jerusalem, which will be the conclusion of Perm in all time zones. If it doesn't occur, we will praise God for his mercy and his grace and for another year to prepare. And those that leave this ministry, goodbye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But for those that stay and keep growing and keep growing and keep growing in God's light and God's truth, then may Jesus bless you amazingly. Amen. If anybody has any questions, please feel free to contact me through the ministry website if you don't have my email or if you're not on our social media and if you don't know how to contact me, go through the ministry website at isawthelightministries.com. If you do know how to contact me, please do not use the online form on the ministry website because you already have access to me. You've got my phone number. You've got my email. I'm on social media. Please use those techniques if you already have my contact information. If anybody has not yet subscribed to the newsletter through email, I really encourage you to subscribe so that you can stay informed of breaking news about the coronavirus events in Syria and Turkey, Russia, Iran, and revelations, updates to the ministry, articles, and more. Now, one final thing. At the beginning of this broadcast today, I had technical difficulty. My microphone was not working. Sometimes there can be technical difficulties. That is the bondage that we're living in right now, that we will soon be freed of, praise God. Anytime that you, the technique that you're listening to if it doesn't work, uh, there are backups. If you listen on the radio, the online radio broadcast that I do on the website, and that's not working, you can just keep that loaded. Just keep it loaded. You don't have to shut down your computer. You don't have to reboot. You don't have to refresh the page. Just keep it right there, and as soon as the problem is fixed, it'll start working again. 
And other than that, there's also the talk shoe backup. There's other backups and all the backups, archives, ways you can listen. All of these things are listed on the website. Very easy to find. Very easy navigation. Amen. Uh, I saw the lightministries.com. Look about services, how to listen to the services. You can find that very easy. There's a search box on the bottom of every page. You can type in the word services or how to listen to services and find that page very quickly. Find the phone number. You can listen over the phone. There's phone numbers for Australia, for probably Canada, Mexico, I don't know how many, many different nations across the world, South Africa, different phone numbers across the world that people can listen over the phone. There's TalkShoe website. There's uh, the Mixler website. There's uh, the, the radio link on the main website. There's so many ways that people can listen, and there's many ways that people can download the archives as well, many different ways. So uh, just have patience when there are technical difficulties. We'll get it up and going as quickly as possible and always be able and willing to try one of the other alternative methods if the first one doesn't work. But praise the Lord that I got my microphone working and the broadcast has been recorded. Give it a few minutes, maybe about 30 minutes tops, and today's sermon will be in the archives on Mixler and uh, eventually on SoundCloud and other places as well. You can save these uh, sermons onto MP3 players so that you'll have them during the Great Tribulation. Make sure you get rechargeable batteries and solar rechargeable kits to recharge your batteries so that you can listen to these sermons again on MP3 player. Also encourage you to download all the Alpha and Omega Bible sound files so you can listen to the Alpha and Omega Bible on your MP3 player as well. Encourage you to do that. Fasting tomorrow evening at sunset. The first 24 hours will be water only and then after that, the rest of the fast will be a juice fast where you can do coffee, even coffee with milk, fruit juice, vegetable juice, uh, fruit and vegetable juice, bone broth, chicken broth, vegetable broth, as long as it doesn't contain uh, solid foods. You're going to strain out any carrots, any chunks of meat, strain it out to where it's only liquid as a juice liquid fast. No honey, no sugar. No artificial sweeteners, no corn syrup, no sex, no masturbation for the duration of the, and no solid foods and no alcohol for the duration of the fast. Again, fasting that our family and friends will listen to us and will not worship Assad during the delusion and nor after the delusion. Amen. If they do worship Assad and continue to, then you must flee from that person and leave them. It don't matter who they are. Leave those that worship the devil. Amen. Okay, I think that pretty pretty much covers it. Praise Jesus for this teaching. I hope you've been edified today. God bless you, everyone. In Jesus' name. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.